0: Women who rock. Women rock. Women who rock. Women rock.
1: Women who rock. Women who rock. Women who rock.
2: This is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today I'm very happy to say I'm joined by Tessa Dillon. Uh, She is the leader of New Zealand's folk rock trio Mystery Waitress. Tessa, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast.
0: We met. It's so nice to be here.
2: Firstly, congratulations. In September, you released your album Nest through Home Alone Records. I was doing a bit of research about the recording process for um, the record, and I read that you had recorded. a quote that I read said that you recorded between the boardroom and the bathroom of Coffee <laughs> Supreme.
0: That's my quote, yeah. <laughs> so I And
2: I when reading that I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> no, um,
0: very mysterious, isn't it?
2: And, yeah, very mysterious. Can
0: you fill us okay. in? Yes, so um up until very recently I worked at Coffee Supreme, which is a coffee roastery in Wellington, New Zealand. Um and we were lucky enough to use the boardroom, which has quite nice acoustics. Um, to after everyone had gone home, uh, me and James, who was also in the band, set up everything and recorded in there in the evenings. And the bathrooms had even nicer acoustics, so that's where all the vocals were done. And the boardroom had the guitar and the and everything else.
2: That you must have a cool like working environment for people to
0: be. Yeah, really, really nice people that's the best thing I reckon about Coffee Supreme <laughs> really good people
2: because um, yeah I mean people knew that you were doing that you weren't like s- sneaking in at midnight no <laughs> recording in a bathroom
0: yeah people definitely knew some people sometimes there'd be someone lingering around and we hadn't realized and they would have been listening to half of the stuff we'd been recording <laughs> they liked it I think
2: <laughs> that actually reminds me a bit of <clears throat> the film Clerks Or I think it's clerks or clerks,
0: yeah, Clark, Kevin,
2: Kevin Smith. I've never known how it's pronounced.
0: Yeah, neither do I. It's spelled clerks though, right? And it's yeah, maybe it's pronounced clerks.
2: I don't know if it's a different pronunciation in America, but my housemates are massive Kevin Smith fans. Um, and yeah, I guess the kind of premise of that was it was all shot like at their work, right? And I think they had to do it at night times, and they pretended that the blind was like stuck so you couldn't open it up to get light but it wow. actually because were, it was nighttime.
0: yeah <laughs> did,
2: <laughs> when you were there at like 9 p.m in the toilet at work <laughs> when you did you get any kind of clerks flashbacks
0: <laughs> um, well i've never seen it but um, i right i feel like it was far more out in the open than that and actually the boardroom has a kind of two sides of the room are big windows and so often we'd be in there at sunset and we'd just been recording music and the sun would be going down and it was really very beautiful. Couldn't have asked for a more beautiful space to record it in. Okay. So no, you didn't feel so secretive and the bathroom was a bit dodgy but (laughs) but it was still fun. Well,
2: it's interesting that you, I mean, not only was the location at your work after hours but you chose two different rooms. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering from like a Audio engineering perspective. What was the? Did you get like a really different sound in the different rooms?
0: I think I I just wanted a. I've often found that bathrooms have a very nice acoustic sound for singing in. That's my favorite place to sing is in the bathroom usually. Okay. Um, and so I, I just went into the bathroom to test out how it would sound, and it was nice. It's a bit more reverby and echoey, and it worked. So we did it in there. That's the boat. yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, you could pay thousands of dollars to have some kind of power electronics to simulate a sound of a reverb. Yeah, but yours was the like the purest, natural most natural thing. form.
0: Bathroom natural bathroom reverb. That's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, um,
2: when I was staying on campus um, for my undergrad, one of the people who was staying kind of like in my area, she was studying music. And she always used to play viola in the girls' bathroom.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that, so that, I can understand.
2: <coughs> that was actually sometimes, like, quite haunting. Yeah. Hear I do. like, classical music played on viola from the bathroom that was, yeah. like, five metres from my door.
0: Kind of honing Myrtle vibes.
2: Sure, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on <love> the viola.
2: <laughs> so where, was the sound in the bathroom as expected?
0: Yes, it was, but not as good as um, my ideal bathroom for singing in is a lot of tiles and a stone floor. That is what I found in my experience. This was more like a lino and a cubicle, so I don't know what that's made out of, but a kind of more plasticky material. It was good though. It worked very well. And of course James did a lot of editing afterwards to give it more reverb and Whatever. Make it sound good. Sure.
2: Maybe you need the real hard surface to get maybe more hard surface equals more reverb.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm sure there's some like acoustic physics behind that, but
1: I don't know about it.
0: Neither do I. I just trust (laughs) my (laughs) gut.
2: before we started chatting the last couple of episodes on the podcast it's been a very i guess wellington centric month yeah so um i've been talking to lots of people involved with home alone music so and everyone that i spoke to said oh you have to talk to tessa mystery waitress so here we we are um yeah i'm interested to hear how did you become involved with the label
0: um well it's all because of brooke singer who is one of the label um starter operas it's not the word but you know um (laughs) she's been so good to me I don't know how actually she I don't know how she found my music but when I just had a few when I was making music under the name Tessa Dillon my name um she found out about somehow and she really liked a track in particular called Clouds of Milk and she actually played it on, um, I think it was on national radio on RNZ as a track that she'd discovered and had really liked. And she has from then on just been very supportive. And I've opened for them French for Rabbits, um, their band, uh, I think a couple of times. And then when I said that I was going to be making another album, they asked me to be part of the label. And I said, yes, I'd love that. So that's how it happened.
2: right. Brooke is the architect.
0: Yes, she is the architect.
2: I saw, so speaking of the album, that co- I think it was September it was released? Yep, yeah, it was. So um, it has a cool cover art. Uh, and I understand you painted that yourself?
0: Yeah, I did. Um, I actually had a bit of a freak out with the cover art beforehand because I had no idea what I wanted from it. Like when you've listened to the songs from the album so many times you kind of lose your initial feeling for what the what art should work with it and i i had lost it and so i actually needed once everything was recorded i listened to it all and just painted and that's what i came up with
2: okay i um it's a quite a striking interesting image i i wasn't sure if it was a bird bath <laughs> or a person holding a bowl of either water or the sky.
0: Ah, well, that's um, a mystery. I don't even know if it's the water or the sky.
2: Okay. I was going to ask if you can debunk some of the mystery, but maybe the mystery is r- necessary.
0: Mystery is necessary. I <laughs> I think, actually, when I was painting it, I was going to colour it in the same colour as the lake, and then I decided, no, it looks really nice left and it looks like it's reflecting the sky. So it could be water, it could be a piece of the sky. It's whatever you want it to be.
2: Mm. And you had it um, printed on shirts as well, right?
0: Yes, I have a vague outlined version of it is on our T-shirts.
2: How did that feel when you first got the cardboard box, cut it open, pulled out the first shirt? And Well,
0: it It should have been really exciting, but what happened was it was a rainy, stormy day in Wellington, and I came out of the printer's shop, and I was loading it into the car, and the box broke, and a lot of the t-shirts, they were luckily in a plastic wrap, but they kind of fell into the gutter. Oh, no. (laughs) My first view of the t-shirts was, well, crap, they're all falling into the gutter.
2: Scraping them out of the wet drain.
0: (laughs) So none were harmed. One of them got a bit muddy, but that um, has been fixed. Um, but I'm, I'm we're still pretty thrilled with how they look. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a bit of an honest <laughs> oh, start.
0: That turned out fine.
2: <laughs> um, we should listen to a track from the album. Yeah. I would like to play – the song I'd like to play from the mystery waitress album Nest is called – Star. So let's listen to that now.
1: Who wants to be a star? I hope I.
2: The track from Mystery Waitress that we just heard was Star. Now, Tessa, you mentioned previously that you had released music under just the name, your name, Tessa Dillon. Yeah. And then but this album, it's been under Mystery Waitress and you've been doing this for a little while. So I'm interested in the transition and also I guess what was the catalyst to starting this kind of bigger project with more people under this, this pseudonym?
0: Well I had never played in a band before I'd never had um I'd never just I'd never played with other people and instruments and I really wanted to do that and I just thought if I'm going to do that I'm going to change the vibe I'm going to branch off into something else and I thought that required a new name so that's how that happened. <laughs>
2: okay. So it really was just a transition from writing music by yourself to writing music in a band.
0: Well, I did write it. I wrote so I wrote all the songs for the mystery waitress album Nest by myself. Um, but then I just got a band to um kind of bolster it up. And actually James did write a few of the he wrote quite a lot of the um kind of guitar parts. Um so I wrote the main song and then yeah, the band kind of added their own things.
2: Okay, but did, so did you play live shows with the band before you did the recording, or was it the other way around?
0: Um, I don't think we had played. Maybe we played one show. I played one with Olivia, who's the drummer, um, and maybe one with just James as well. We did it. It was a, it was a bit of a weird time. I don't think we actually did a gig with the whole band until everything was recorded. Yeah, right. It was, okay. Uh, I kind of just wanted the band for the purpose of recording an album at the start. And then obviously I wanted to do gigs as well, and we did, and it's been really fun.
2: Well, yeah. So do you think that the um, going from doing the recordings but then playing out with a full band, do you think that the kind of vibe or the dynamics of the song have
0: changed
2: as a yeah, result of doing live shows?
0: They really have. So for instance, we did a live show um, a couple of nights ago, And um, a lot of people commented that it was a lot heavier than the album. And I think we just kind of, we all have a bit too much fun maybe when we're playing together. And when we've done, we just, we go quite hard (laughs) and um, turn them a little bit heavier, which is really fun. And I like to think that we can go back to doing softer things as well. Because we all have an appreciation for both the heavier, rockier shoegazy style, but also the folkier aspects for it, and I like having that different, like those different aspects to the songs. Do you think that the
2: the mood would be dependent on the venue?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I quite intentionally think about the venue when I plan a gig, because if it was somewhere like a, a gallery, I wouldn't want to go to Rocky, it just wouldn't fit. But if the place we played the other night was a, a sports bar and so I thought this is the time that we just, just go all out, turn the driveway up. Sure. Yeah.
2: I um, Well, yeah, you mentioned you played I think last Saturday. Yeah. So can you tell me a bit about um, live music in Wellington, how it's been going this year and also – should I visit if we have a trans-Tasman travel bubble?
0: Right. Well, I think you should visit. Um, I, the live music has been, well, it was obviously on hold for quite a long time. And actually this gig that we did on Saturday was the second attempt at a gig that we tried to do in, I think it might have been August, but we'd had a second kind of level two. Um, lockdown so it's been really on and off and um, because of that every venue in the country is very booked up I've been trying to book some things recently and until like late January and February places are booked and so people are resorting to some very strange places to do gigs which is actually really cool so the sports bar that we played in I don't think they'd ever seen a gig like that in their lives (laughs) and there was it's kind of just truckers and tradies Are there regulars and um, right? So it it is really cool, which is finding the nooks and crannies to play in and gigs. Well, that's how it is in Wellington, anyway. I'm not sure about the rest of the country, but I imagine it would be kind of similar.
2: Do you think it would move to um, if there is a real shortage of venues? Do you think it could move to like an underground, like house party, more house party, or warehouses and stuff?
0: Yeah. Well, we're allowed to do house parties and things now. So that is still happening. Um, But when you want a lot of people, sometimes a house party isn't enough. It's not big enough. Um, Sure. Yeah, but now that summer's coming up, we're thinking garden parties, gardens for venues, backyards, whatever. Yeah, it is fun. People are getting creative.
2: Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's happening in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I haven't really been. I've been out of Sydney for quite a while, and I haven't been to a gig. I don't remember going to a gig this year. Right. Um. So, do you think that because there's been a time where there's been quite a, a lack of activity because of the lockdown, do you think there was kind of an explosion after that Where yeah. there was just? heaps Definitely. of gigs and everyone playing?
0: Well everyone wants to play and everyone wants to go to gigs because the lockdown made people realise I actually really like going out and I miss mm. that so yeah there's been a definite explosion
2: Maybe bands can benefit from people going stir crazy
0: Yeah I really think we are benefiting <laughs> 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 Yeah The crazier the better <laughs> Come
1: <don't> on to <laughs>
2: It's time for the segment, Tell Me a Thing, where I have a list of topics. I ask you to choose one of them and tell us something about it. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, Poetry, Patti Smith, Punk Rock, Death, and Politics. So, Tessa, can you please tell me a theme?
0: Well, I, out of that list, I have decided on Patti Smith. So, the thing that I've been thinking about with Patti Smith is that I've read her book, Just Kids, recently. And you think about Patty Smith now and how she's kind of associated with all these amazing, famous people, like the legends of their time, like Lou Reed and, um, Jimi Hendrix. And when I was reading the book, it kind of feels like, you know, she's just living her life and she's just going about her daily business and she just comes across people and, these people just happened to be like very famous people now, and it kind of makes you think. Right now, am I meeting people like that? You know, is is my life kind of intertwined with others? And you just have no idea where their lives are going to go and how it's going to seem in the future. Looking back, sure. That's what I'm thinking about right now with Betty Smith. Um, aside from the fact that she's an incredible poet and musician and individual. That's the thing.
2: (laughs) Living in that very interesting happening time in the 70s in New York.
0: Yeah. Um, But I think at the time, did it feel like that is what I want to know. Like, did it feel hmm. like that was an important era? Because I don't think that we'd be able to tell if we were living in that right now.
2: I guess that, I mean, at some point, um, Albert Einstein would have been just like a little kid kindergarten class
0: yeah
2: it would have just been like one of the little kids and yeah. everything was just normal
0: he was just doing little kid stuff yeah yeah
2: you just don't probably, probably deriving a few more equations than the other kids
0: yeah but... <laughs> being a little more bizarre but i was actually born on the same day as albert einstein oh really and i've got the same birthday i'm not as old as him <laughs>
2: okay, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, that's an interesting point. I wonder if anyone who lives through a crazy time realizes that they're living through such a crazy time.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I've been thinking with the whole, of course, coronavirus thing. I wonder how that will seem in the future to people who didn't live through it.
2: Hmm. I sort of felt that when it started off, I, I felt that like in the future, there would be textbooks written about what happens. Yeah public You're health textbooks,
0: totally And people were saying that there's going to be many, many, many more diseases that just sweep over the world. So this was the first of many apparently. I'm going to have- mm.
2: <laughs> I think that one thing that's given me some hope is that when something like this happens, the people that everyone turns to is science and empirical evidence. Yeah. And it seems like that's the path out.
0: Well, I hope that people are turning to that. I don't know about everyone, but yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, I guess it will be up to future generations to determine whether we were living through a crazy, wild time in history or not.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It hasn't really felt that crazy to me, but I'm sure (laughs) other people it has. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. We're pretty lucky in New Zealand anyway. It's been quite mild.
2: Mm, uh, good leadership mainly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bringing up into another of the topics I could have chosen. Oh, sure, you? I think we're all in agreement <laughs> there. I'm not going to talk
2: about that. <laughs> no, 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 we'll stick with, um, with Patty Smith. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast <laughs> and telling You're us welcome. about your album and Wellington as well. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of Do 107.3.